you can open up your Bible with me to Mark 2nd chapter, uh, verse 18 to 22. Going to look at something new and something fresh. Things that grow are new and fresh. You plant a fresh garden. It's getting close to the time, and you will see the farmers out planting and sowing seeds, getting ready for new growth and freshness. And, and if you don't properly root the soil or properly prepare, it's hard for something to grow if it's not in a proper environment. You may go to aquariums, and some aquariums may have sharks there. And a shark is limited to its growth due to its environment. So if the environment is small, that shark stays small. If the environment is large, then that shark grows to reach that environment. But yet the shark is limited to its environment. Same situation and growth is something new that you need to prepare the soil, you need to prepare the land so it can expand and it can grow and it can be fresh. Looking at the text in Mark, uh, second chapter, starting at verse 18, uh, the word of God says, and the disciples of John and the Pharisees used to fast and they, count, and they come and say unto him, why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees, excuse me, correction, why do the disciples of John and the Pharisees, but the disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. No man also soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment, else the new piece that filled it up taketh away from the old, and the rent is made worse. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled. And the bottles will be marred, but the new wine must be put in new bottles going to deal with the theme this morning, new and fresh, talking about the doctrine of grace. Jesus is here, and the disciples of John the Baptist and the Pharisees come and question him about fasting. And, and the thing here is that the Pharisees are known of practicing the law. The law is the old covenant. And they're used to their traditions, and they're used to realizing that in order to please God, I have to obey the law. Uh, obedience is a good thing, that we need to know the law so we can obey the law. Paul talks about how because of the law, I know what sin is. And so because of the law, they knew what was right, and they knew what was wrong. But the problem here is that they are boasting how they fast two times a week. And the law, according to Moses, that God gave to Moses, 
The covenant. They, remember, the children of Israel made a covenant with God. Moses was the mediator. They made a covenant. God said, God, you'll be our God. We'll be your people. We will obey your commands. And the law that was given that there was only one fast, according to the law, that they were to observe. And that's during the time of atonement. Other fasts came about. But I want you to understand that there is one fast that's in the law that God gave the people to observe. But yet, oftentimes, you find people that think they know better and they do better, and so they are holier than thou. They'll criticize you because they feel or they act like they know what they're doing. The disciples of John the Baptizer were fasting. And the reason why they're fasting is because John is taken away. Jesus replies back, said, why would they fast at a wedding party with the bridegroom? Jesus is the bridegroom. And Jesus pointed out, it's time to rejoice because I'm with them. It's time to celebrate because I am with them. You see, John the baptizers are fasting because their master is locked up. Fasting is a time of mourning. Fasting is a sign of repentance. Fasting is not a sign of joy. When people fast, there's some hardship going on. And so here, Jesus pointing out, it's not a time to be sad right now because I'm with you. Isn't it good to be in the presence of Jesus? Isn't it good to sit under his teaching? You see here that Jesus desires a relationship with us, not just us to act like we know him. The Pharisees were acting like they knew him and were questioning him, but were not trying to know him. But the ones that were getting to know him, they were truly able to enjoy the relationship with Jesus. I want you to understand why people question you about why you decide to go to bed early on Saturday so you can make it to Sunday school early in the morning. They may question you why you make a point to come to Wednesday night Bible study while they have other plans. Or why you will take the time to pray and read your Bible when they're taking the time to watch a TV show. Because when they do not have a relationship with Jesus, they don't understand why you do what you do. The Pharisees did not have a relationship with Jesus. They did not understand why his fathers did what they did. But when you have a relationship with Jesus, you learn to appreciate the time you spend with him. You enjoy the time you spend with him. The time is time of joy. But now look here. He points out, Jesus points out that there will be a time for mourning and fasting. Here Jesus is predicting that in order for everything to be accomplished, I will have to be taken away. You see here, now Jesus is about to point out the meaning of grace. We're, we're going to try to talk about, about four reasons of grace. And the first meaning of grace is this, that grace is a gift from God. Jesus realized that I'm here with them for a moment and for a time. Grace is God's unmerited favor for, his, for us ungrateful people. We are wretched undone. We are ungrateful. We, we can't save ourselves. So therefore, Jesus comes as a gift from God. We read in John 3, said, for God so loved the world. I, I want you to remember, he said, for God so loved. It means that God loved us this way. 
that he gave everything that he had. See, he realized that you need something and I'm going to give you a gift. I'm not expecting anything in return because you can't pay me back with this gift that I'm giving you. Jesus let him know it's time to celebrate because I'm with them right now. But there will be a time where they'll have to mourn. Because look, I'm here because works won't do it. You're questioning about fasting, but you're not questioning a relationship with me. I want you to understand, just showing up on Sunday does not, show, uh, does not show that you have a relationship with Christ. You telling somebody you're fasting does not mean you have a relationship with Christ. You telling somebody you read your Bible does not mean you have a relationship with Christ. It's you truly, daily, following him shows that you have a relationship with him. Because the people in questioning are following Jesus are sitting under his teachings. Jesus came for the sinners. He, he came to talk to Levi, the tax collector, and the publicans and the sinners. And, and the Pharisees were puzzled by this. How can a righteous man be with unrighteous folk? But yet Jesus pointed out that's the grace of God, to come to those who can't help themselves. I've come to help them. So you see the, the meaning of grace. Now the purpose of grace. You see, the gift has a purpose. You know, the best gifts are gifts that have purpose. Think about that for a moment. When people give you a gift that you have a, a use for, the gifts that you have no use for, you end up maybe giving them away to somebody else because you forgot somebody gave it to you. You end up throwing them away because you forgot what they was there for the first place. But the gifts that have purpose, you hold on to them. Like when my mother and my father gave me a bicycle, that was a gift with a purpose. I used that bike to go to the gas station to give me some candy. To go to the playground, that, 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 that gift means something. They gave me some other gifts. I don't remember all of them. But I remember that bike because they had a purpose. When a gift has a purpose, it has a purpose. What was the purpose of grace? Jesus broke it down here in this parable. The old cloths represents the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. Moses was the mediator. The people made a covenant to God, and they said that we will obey your commands. And the problem here is that even as we obey his commands, if you break one, you broke them all. And when you broke these commands, you had to do a sacrifice for the remission of sins. And this had to be done over and over and over again. And Jesus is coming to fulfill this promise, to fulfill that God says, you will be my people and I will be your God. God desires to have an eternal relationship with us, but it could not be done under the law. The covenant that was made with Adam, remember here, God told Adam to obey. What did Adam do? He disobeyed. Fellowship was messed up because we have the ability to disobey. We have the problem that we like to disobey. We have the issue like we'd rather obey ourselves more than we obey God. And, and because we can't work our ways into heaven, the purpose of grace was to provide a way for us. And so therefore, the purpose of grace is the new covenant. The new covenant. It's by grace you have been saved by faith, not by works so that no man can boast. Jesus points out here, look, that you can't pour new wine in old wine skins, for it will burst. 
You men are, are frigid. You men are not changing. You, you are stuck in your own ways. You're not looking to grow. You're thinking you're doing something the right way, but you're doing it the wrong way. I've come to show you the right way. I'm, I'm glad that Jesus comes to show us the right way. Because the meaning of grace is God's gift to us. The purpose of the gift was to give us Jesus. And Jesus shows us the act of grace. It's by grace we have been saved. How is it by grace you have been saved by faith? Jesus point out to them that there's going to be a time the bridegroom will be taken away. Jesus is predicting here early in his ministry that I'm going to be gone. That I'm going to die. As Jesus' death on the cross pay the price for our sins. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The gift of God is eternal life. What is the gift? God's grace. And what gives us eternal life? Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. Jesus is showing us this new wine. That's going to pour into these new wine skins. And these new wine skins will expand. That's why he talks about how when you pour new wine in old wine skins, the new wine will fermentate and grow and will burst the old wine skins. That's why the old covenant just won't do. Jesus is fulfilling, so he's pouring into us his grace. For us to grow and to expand in his grace. Because of his grace, I'm able to speak love to somebody. Because of his grace, you're able to be patient with somebody. Because of his grace, you're able to encourage somebody. But it's through his grace. See, grace is God's beautiful gift. Grace is something that only God can give us. Grace gives us grace so that we can show grace. God showed his love by his grace. It's, it's, it points out and the record shows that God is a God of love. He'd rather show his love and his mercy than his wrath. And grace is the gift to pay the price that we owed him. Sin demands a payment. And you cannot pay that payment. You cannot satisfy this debt. But yet God realized you cannot satisfy this debt, and so he gave you grace. <laughs> Jesus is saying, I'm here to teach them about grace. I'm here right now for my disciples, my followers, these sinners, to celebrate and build a relationship with me because there will be a time I'll be gone, and they will mourn. Think about how our lives will be without Jesus. Think about how without Jesus is time of mourning. Because Jesus gives us hope. Jesus gives us security. But when the, Jesus is not in the picture, they, the disciples were without hope. We find the disciples hiding because they lost their leader. We, we find them just upset and weeping, thinking that their master is gone. But Jesus knows I have to do this in order for this new covenant to be made. The covenant of grace. The covenant of grace. Grace is God's part. Faith is our part. We have faith that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And, and that's the grace of God, his unmerited favor. We're not deserving of this gift. We don't deserve it, but God gives it to us freely. And God gives it to us knowing we can't pay him back. But now because of God's grace, we ought to show 
got our appreciation. At the time Jesus was sharing this parable and teaching, this was new to them. Because these men were known that as long as I obey the law, I am righteous in God's eyes. But under grace, we are declared righteous because of Jesus. Not because of what we have done, but because the act of grace, because of what Christ has done. We walk our life and we live our life and we can oftentimes possibly take everything for granted. Think about how a God loves you unconditionally. Knowing you as you are, you know how good you are, you know how bad you are. And on your bad days, he loves you with all he has. On your good days, he loves you with all he has. Think about that for a moment. People you love, like your spouse, your children, do you wrong. You let them know what a dog they are. You let them know how bad they've been. You let them know how they treated you wrong. But when you mess up in God's eyes, he lets you know how much he loves you, how much he cares about you. Tell somebody that's grace. See, he decided that since, since you don't know how to love, I'll show you what love is. I'm glad that God is love. And since God is love, he shows us love. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That's grace. When he gave Jesus, that was grace. When Jesus forgave you of your sins, that's grace. When Jesus died on the cross, that's grace. When Jesus says, Father, I claim them, they're my children, that's grace. Because what did you do to deserve grace? But what did Jesus do because of grace? You see here, Jesus is pointing us out there's there's something new here. I'm coming to fulfill the law, not to abolish the law. In me, everything will be complete. In me, everything will be new and grow. I believe the Bible says that he that's in Christ is a new creature. I believe Jesus said that you must be born again. Uh, Do you see the newness here? Jesus talking about things got to come in me and become new. You can't be your old self and be walking in grace. But because of grace, you change your attitude, you change your minds, you change your behavior, and you become new. And you allow Jesus, the new wine, the new grace to pour into you so you can expand and grow and mature enough that you can tell somebody else about the grace. That way you can be like John Newton, who was on a ship that was rocking back and forth. A horrible storm took over the ship. People were being overran by the water so much they tied themselves to the boat so they wouldn't fall overboard. And they were pumping water out 24 hours a day. They wanted to throw John Newton overboard. Because the man cursed so much, he made ears bleed. This man was just a hard man, an atheist, a man that didn't care about God, care about anybody else. And, and he was a slave ship, a, a, a boat rider, and, and they wanted to take him off, but yet he stayed on the ship. And then the captain said, everybody pray. Pray, just pray, just pray. And John Newton prayed, say, God, if you're real, clean my heart. And... All of a sudden, it says some weeks later, they laid up on shore. This man, John Newton, realized that 
God is real. He took a pen in his hands and started writing a song. I think you know how this song goes. Talking about amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Do I have a witness here that realized that it was his grace? I, I've been in a boat situation like John Newton. I did not know where I might come on shore, but I prayed that Jesus will come in my heart and make me clean inside. I really I could not clean myself, but it was Jesus' blood on the cross that made me as white as snow. It was grace that saved me. It was grace that cleansed me. Do I have a witness here? All I'm trying to say, it was grace. I can't do it. I couldn't pay it. But Jesus, he paid the price on Calvary. He he died. He died. They put him in the grave. He stayed there all day. But early that third day, that Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands. It was grace that saved me. His grace is in the air now. Seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. Moses was the mediator of the old covenant covenant, but I'm glad that Jesus is my mediator now. He can speak on my behalf, saying, Lord, I know he's a sinner in desperate need of a Savior, and that's why I died. I say, he died. He died for me. He died for you, and now you can't be free because of his grace. Tell somebody, because of his grace. I've been set free. Tell somebody, because of his grace, I have been set free. Can you testify? Can you testify? It's his grace. No works can be done, but it's his grace. I'm glad it's his grace. Because under the law, I fall short every day of my life. But under his grace, I wake up to new grace every day, every hour. I'm walking in new grace because as sin increase, grace abounds even more. So I'm glad I can't out-sin God's grace. That's why John New wrote his amazing grace. Grace is what set us free. Grace is what set us free. Be new and fresh in your life and walk in the grace of Jesus. In grace, you can speak love to those who persecute you. In grace, you can pray for those that talk about you. In grace, you can make it through a hard job, a hard relationship, a hard time because of God's grace. Because if grace can endure the cross, you can endure your life. Because that same grace can be poured into you. That's why we can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God's grace was shown to us in Jesus.
And the work of grace is now working in those who call on Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus, you don't know grace. But I want to introduce you to grace. You can't do it. Good enough is not good enough. That's why Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And so if you believe by faith that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, you shall be saved. Not by works that you have done, but by the works of Jesus, the Son of God. His grace can set you free. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Right now, here's the opportunity for you. If you do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, here's the opportunity for you right now to say, Lord, I invite you, Jesus, to come into my heart and be my personal Lord and Savior. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. And I believe you died for my sins and that your blood has washed me and made me whole. And now, Jesus, I will live my life for you because you lived and died for me.